Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Neil Turton. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my pleasure to welcome you all to our Carols by Candlelight service this evening, whether you're here in the building or whether you're, you're watching online. And if you're a guest who's here this morning, maybe you come through the invitation of a friend or you received an invitation through your door um, or you've come through some other means, but it's great to, to have you here with us this evening. Do please stay behind afterwards for some mince pies and coffee. It'd be great to, to get to, to know you more. Uh, just to let you know what's going to happen this evening, um, it's going to be a traditional carol service with a series of Bible readings and carols. Um, they will flow unannounced, so when the words come on the screen, uh, do please uh, stand to sing. Uh, it's great to have a choir here this evening. Um, they will sing one carol on their own, as well as some of the verses from the carols they'll sing on their own as well. So look on the screen where it says choir only, uh, let them have their, their, their day there. Um, also got a, a harp solo from Elizabeth Law to look forward to later on. And uh, Saab Claire, uh, one of our other pastors, is going to be bringing a talk later on. It's also great to have an old friend back on the organ, uh, Mark Warner, who is a member here for, for, for many years. We're going to start with the lighting of our uh, Advent uh, candles, uh, which uh, Phil and Anne Davis are going to come up and do for us. Prepare the way of the Lord. We light this candle in joy, the joy that we have in Jesus, our Saviour. Prepare, then, the way of the Lord. Isaiah 9, 3 and 6 to 7 says, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks very much, Phil and Anne. Let's, uh, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you that at Christmas, Jesus came into the world as our Saviour to deal with our sin and to bring us joy and peace, the greatest peace we need to be at peace with you. We thank you that you are with us now by your Spirit. And we pray this evening as we sing along to the words of the carols, As we hear the readings read from your word, that should help us to focus on the truth of those words, to forget all the the worries and concerns that we have, and to leave them with you. Help us to trust in your goodness towards us. And fill us, we pray, with wonder at the amazing act of humility, that Jesus should give up the glory of heaven and come down to earth as a man, as our saviour to bring us eternal peace and joy. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to sing our first carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are holy, highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger.
Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are aware that we live in a part of the world where we have so much and we don't really need any presents. But we thank you for the most important gift that we could ever receive, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he humbled himself, that he came down to earth from heaven, and took on human flesh. We thank you for the miracle of his birth by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the good news that the angels brought for all the people, the birth of a saviour. We thank you that he can be our king forever and make it possible for us to be friends with you. We're sorry when we've placed more value on the things of this world than on Jesus himself. We're sorry when we've forgotten why Jesus came to save us from our sins. We're sorry when we're more interested in the presents we receive than those we give. We're sorry when we're more interested in making sure we have a good time than looking out for those are sad or lonely. Please forgive us and help us to make Jesus the number one in our lives this Christmas. 
Father, we do pray for those who are, are sad and lonely this Christmas, particularly those who remember loved ones they have lost. May they know your love and your comfort and the support of your people. We pray for those who are ill or in hospital at this time, those waiting for hospital treatment or recovering from treatment, that you would grant them healing and keep them strong in their faith. We pray for those who are homeless, that you would find them shelter. We pray for those who have become separated from other family members, that you would bring reconciliation. We pray for those living in places where there is war or where they are persecuted for their faith, that you would keep them safe and bring peace. We pray for those who do not yet know the true meaning of Christmas, that they would hear and understand the good news of Jesus and come to know him as their own Lord and Saviour. We pray that we would all be filled with the joy of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The Magi visit the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Good evening, everyone, on this beautiful evening of celebration and praise. My reading comes from John, John 1, verses 1 to 14. The Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was a witness to testify of the coming of that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to that light. The true light that was given, that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through and though the world was made through him, the world did not know him and did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, not of human decision, or of, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Thanks, Eric. Before I start, let me just uh, pray. Uh, Father God, uh, uh, please would you help me speak clearly this evening. Uh, Please would you quicken our hearts and our minds ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Gifts, they are funny things, aren't they? They really are funny things. And at this time of year, as we kind of rush around uh, trying to buy presents for friends and for family, uh, we buy gifts, generally, don't we, that meet a need that people have. Uh, You can tell a lot about a person that receives the gift by the gifts that they get. Now, for instance, uh, what if I got this gift? uh, Would it tell you about me? If I was to open my present and find that my children had bought me a box of Rogaine, uh, a medicine to treat baldness, uh, well, it would tell me that they think I've lost some of my hair and that this, this might help. Uh, Now, I might look in the mirror and think, well, there's quite a lot of hair around here. I'm okay. I don't really need that gift. This gift can't be uh, for me. But anyone who stands behind me, even for a moment, will say, wow, one box isn't going to be enough. (laughs) Uh, Even though I might not need it, or I might think I don't need it, actually, the gift reveals I have a need. Now, what about this gift? Now, the gift here is not what the wise men bring. Uh, The gift is in Mary's arms. What's the need that this gift is revealing? Uh, Is it revealing to us the wisdom of outdoor birth uh, or the need of a straw-lined manger Or, or even the need of shepherds over midwives? at the time of a late delivery. So as as, as thinking people, which I think we all are, as thinking people, we have to ask ourselves, don't we, what's, what's going on? The baby is the gift. So what's the need? That the answer is the baby. So what's the question? 
It's easy, isn't it, this time of year, and, and, and dangerous, I think, to fall into a, a warm bed of nostalgia at Christmas time, uh, find ourselves singing away in a manger, and find that we've accidentally turned our brains off uh, and not really given any serious thought to what's going on. So this evening, just for 10 minutes, I want us to think about what's going on here. Now, Luke, who wrote the book of Luke, uh, was a doctor and who, having heard about Jesus, uh, turned investigative reporter. He went and he interviewed the people who had been first-hand witnesses of Jesus' life, uh, his death, and of his resurrection. And he pulled it all together into an orderly account. And that account is what we hold in our hands tonight, straight from Luke's pen to our hands. What we read isn't a fairy tale, it isn't a legend, and it's not a myth. It's fact. It's history. And in the first reading that we have this evening, we're told that the child was born, and that child was the son of God. So the question is this. Why the baby? Why would God look down on us and think, hmm, the perfect gift for them is this, the child. Now, if you're here this evening and you're not a believer, it's wonderful that you have joined us this evening. And I wonder how you might choose to answer that question. Don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Uh, let's, just, uh, let's just take a little, little moment to think about this. Let me paint a picture on a very large canvas. If we go back uh, to the start of the Bible, we're told that God creates all things. And the pinnacle of God's creation is humanity. Humanity is placed as the vice regents under God the King to steward creation for God. And we have the incredible privilege of being drawn into a living relationship with him face to face with God himself. But the Bible tells us that, and actually, if we know our own hearts, we know this to be true, don't we? That we want to do what we want to do. We want to be the kings, don't we, of our own lives. And we doubted in the garden the goodness of God, and we turned away from him. You see, we wanted and took all the good things that God gave us, and we had no care, no regard for the giver of those gifts. We rebelled against God. We mutinied against our king. And we found ourselves at war with God. Now, you, you may be here tonight thinking, I haven't mutinied against God. <laughs> I'm not at war with God. I, I try my best. I keep my nose clean. Uh, every now and then I doff my cap to God. I'm kinder and gentler than most of the people that I know. And so we're inclined to conclude, aren't we, that hmm, I'm sure that when I die and I, I meet God, well, God and I, well, we'd be chums. He'd see that I was an okay sort of person. Now, many of my non-Christian friends think like that. And indeed, before I became a Christian, I thought like that. So we think that the offense that we've caused to God by ignoring him, it's a small, small thing. 
but it isn't. It is the most grievous thing. And our broken relationship with God is not something that we can fix ourselves. We cannot make that right ourselves. If we've lived now ignoring God, when we meet him face to face after death, he will ignore us. He will cast us away from his presence for all eternity to a place where there is no good thing. A place that the Bible calls hell. So so do you see the dilemma? We're at war with God. uh, We can't make it right by ourselves. And left unresolved, the consequences are too terrible to think about. And that's our problem. That's our biggest need. So if God could give us just one gift, just one gift, it would be the gift that meets your greatest and most pressing need. The need to be made right with God. For that, the gift that we need is the baby in the manger. Now, I might deny that I need Rogaine for hair loss, but if I could see the back of my head, I would go and grab a box of that stuff for myself, I'm sure. And in similar vein, if we could see the peril that we're in, if we could see that, we'd know that this gift from God, this baby in a manger, is the perfect and right gift for us. And the remarkable thing is, even though we deserve to be cast off from God forever, God doesn't come at us wagging his finger tutting or tapping his shoes not at all god comes to us to woo us he comes to us to woo us he comes like a lover that's been spurned to win back the love that he's lost that's the gift that god holds out and that's the remarkable thing about that gift it is extravagant love And it's a gift that offers life, love and life. Now, what do I mean by the extravagant love in the gift? What is that? See, the Bible tells us that even though we've uh, turned away from God and we've rejected him, God decided he set his love upon us and he came to rescue us. He came to rescue us from the danger that lies ahead. And he didn't do that because we are worthy. He didn't do that because there's some inherent merit or goodness uh, within us. No. As God looked down from heaven, saw our plight, his compassion moved him. So much that he sent his only son to come and rescue us. And his son came willingly. Now that meant... The Son of God left heaven, left the place where he had been worshipped, adored, and knew the perfect love of the Father. And he gave all that up. He laid all that down to rescue us. He broke into our world. He smashed through the concrete divide between heaven and earth. He broke through that and came as a baby. Truly God and truly man. Truly God. And truly man. 
God clothed himself in humanity, the God-man. The infinite became finite. The all-powerful became weak. The one who created all things and sustained all things became dependent, needing to be nursed at the breast of an unmarried girl. The love of God for us rebels is so deep that God laid down his majesty, set aside his glory, became vulnerable, all so that he could save us. That's extravagant love. But it's not just the extravagance of love. There's gift. There's a gift in this. Uh, In a couple of minutes, we're going to be singing Hark the Herald. And here's a a few words from it. It will sing, Mild he lays his glory by, Born that man no more may die, Born to raise the sons of earth, Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn king. We'll sing that the reason that Jesus came was because there's life in the gift. That in Jesus' birth, Death is conquered. And for those who trust in Jesus, we can travel safely through death. And that's because we have new birth. We're brought into a living relationship with Jesus, with God himself. And because of that, our lives have real meaning. Uh, Not the shallowness that's marked by 30 seconds of TikTok fragments which aren't even the real us, are they? They're just carefully curated moments. A meaning of life that is bigger than a successful corporate career, a large bank balance, a string of relationships, a political cause, or even fame. A life of meaning that is stronger than the taunts of friends, self-doubt, or worry in our circumstances. God's gift gives us a life that is filled with meaning, with purpose, and with joy that comes from being made right with God and being drawn into a living relationship with him. A life that is so big that even the toughest trials that you face will not sink you. That's the gift. I wonder, do you have a life like that? You may ask, well, how do I get that? How do I get that? How does the baby in the manger, that, how does that gift change your life now and through death for all eternity? It comes by seeing that Christmas is a time of joy because it leads to Easter. We need to see that the God-man Jesus comes as a baby, lying in the manger, and grows to be the God-man who hangs on a cross. To see that in love, God sent his only son to live the life that we should have lived, perfectly loving God, and his neighbor, and then died the death that we deserve in our place 
paying the price of our rebellion against God. That in love, God's only son saw the danger that we were in and willingly came to rescue us. The only one who was righteous dies for the rebel. And all that belonged to the righteous one in Jesus. All that was his becomes ours as Jesus dies in our place. That perfect and amazing exchange. And the resurrection that we celebrate at Easter proves that Jesus' work on the cross makes those who believe children of God. No longer rebels, but children. Dearly loved children, known through all eternity. I wonder, have you seen all of that in the gift of the baby Jesus? Uh, Do you appreciate the danger that God has made possible for you to be rescued from? Do you know the depths of his love that would cause him to see his son die rather than lose you? Do you know what life in all of its fullness means? Because that's what lies inside the God-man, Jesus. Uh, But like all gifts, like all gifts, you must choose to accept it. The gift is free to you, free to me. But it cost God's son his life. I, I wonder... Have you accepted that gift? Uh, Maybe this evening you're intrigued, you're wondering, and you want to know more. Well, why don't you, uh, on your way out, pick up uh, one of these books on the concourse, uh, Making Sense of Life, What's Life All About, or perhaps read one of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. They're available on the door on the way out. Or, if you're intrigued, come along to a course that we're running in January. What's Life all about a great way to explore what this gift that God has extended to us means for us. If your heart's been stirred tonight, please don't leave without speaking to someone. Speak to Neil, speak to me, but please do speak to someone because that stirring in your heart, that is God warming your heart. Please. Please, please, respond. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much uh, for the amazing gift of the Lord Jesus. Father, please would you uh, help us to see the enormity of your love for us. Help us to uh, see uh, the amazing rescue, our need for you. Father, would you please... A place in our hearts, hearts of flesh. Take away the hearts of stone. Would you please place in us a desire to hunger and thirst for you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I do hope you've enjoyed your time with us this evening. And thank you to all those who have uh, taken part. Thank you to all you for, for coming. And as uh, Saab said, if uh, God has spoken to you tonight, you'd like to know more about uh, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and this gift that there is, that God has given us in Christ himself. And do please have a word with us before you leave this evening.
Let me close now with the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace this day and forever. Amen.